0: Let's go ahead and say a word of prayer and get started. Eternal Heavenly Father, we come before you today to acknowledge you as our creator and our redeemer, and I want to thank you for giving us the gift of life and gift of health and for giving us the ability to heal and to, to transform, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit that makes that process, um, that enables that process. Please, God, our study today, um, reveal a greater measure of your character today. Through this lesson, teach us to be better disciples. Be those of our group who are not with us and bring them safely back to us in the future. In the name of Jesus, amen. First of all, my name is Russell. I'm filling in today for Tim. Um, Most of you look familiar. There's a few that don't welcome our our visitors and uh, welcome our members as well. We're studying Lesson 7, Preparation for Discipleship. I want to start with a question. Um, Is everyone called to be a disciple or must we have certain qualifications for discipleship before we're called
1: would it be automatic would being a disciple be an automatic result of believing
0: okay would it is, is being a disciple
2: what's the definition of being a disciple
0: okay well, let's go back to that what defines being a disciple
3: well it sounds like Sunday's lesson
0: okay read it please
3: how do disciples and apostles differ? Disciples were learners; they followed a master to study with the master. And the term apostle comes from the Greek word meaning whatever, it's implying to send, descend, to send out. For those who want to study, disciples and to me, apostles are those who want to go out and. Well, it
4: also comes from the root word um, discipline and disciple to, to reason with the mind.
5: Well, also apostle is. Uh also translate as ambassador. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I'd say that an apostle is actually one step up from a disciple. It's after you've learned enough under Christ that you'd be actually the ambassador for him. And uh, I guess the apostolic sense, forgive me, I'm really bad with words, but um, I mean, we're all told to you know go out and we're supposed to be learning from Christ. Uh, the moment we see you know, him and everything like that, we're supposed to keep on learning, keep on following him, and uh, you know share him. So in that sense, I guess we'd be both. But at the same time, of seems there's a slight difference in my mind anyway for uh, to be from a true ambassador, someone that's uh, almost fully trained and everything like that. But okay. Yes.
6: Being an apostle is step two, but that doesn't mean you finish step one before you do step two. I'm a teacher. And whenever you're teaching something, people learn the theory and then they need to immediately practice it. And then go back and learn some theory and then immediately practice it. And if you you don't mix them, you don't learn well.
0: There's one method of learning that uh, is, I don't know that it's unique to healthcare, but I, I was exposed to it, and I know some of my colleagues and contemporaries were exposed to it as well. And the, and the process is, if you're learning a technique or a procedure or something like is learn one, do one, teach one.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And in that process of learning, uh, that you build a certain amount of information, and in the process of actually going out and physically doing it, you build on that initial foundation, and in the process of having to teach it, there's even greater learning. I mean, I, I learn far more about every lesson that, I, school lesson that I teach than when I'm sitting where you are. It's, it's the nature of the process. So I'm going to look up Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, please. Maybe this will give us a little insight as to who, who all is called to be disciples uh, slash apostles. Shout it out when you've got it.
3: Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: Hmm. So, what does this tell us?
3: Tell the <laughs> Doug Batchelor said anybody that wants to follow that follows Jesus is the disciple.
0: Sharon?
6: Sure. I think it's pretty much up to us about accepting. I think, I think it's clear that Jesus extends the call to all of us. It's about whether or not we actually want to go.
2: We make the choice. Okay. If a disciple is about learning, then that means that person needs to be teachable, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that the whole concept of whether or not we would be happy in heaven is if we're teachable? Not have we learned it all and categorized it into our own book or something, but are we teachable? Are we willing to listen and have the Holy Spirit uh, guide us as we mature?
0: Well, yeah, I certainly think that one of the character traits of those who will be in heaven will be teachability. Um, there are a lot of a lot of other ones, but yeah that's that's certainly you could say is in the top ten anyway.
3: How do you make a disciple? That that part of the text is what I don't know, how do you make a disciple?
0: All right, how do you? Anybody?
6: How do you make a friend?
0: Okay. Word, Build a Tim has used this illustration before. If a stranger came up to you in the parking lot and said, Give me your keys, I'll go get your car for you. Would you do it? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> give you key you give a stranger a set of keys, so you have a house key and mailbox key and the car key and registrations in the glove box. Could go clean you out before before you knew what was happening. But if a friend came up and told you to do that, would it be any different? Of course it would. So in order to, quote, make a disciple, we have to first know the person that we're presenting or the the, the concept that we're presenting, correct? No?
6: I don't yes. think you really even have to know him. I think if you have a willing heart and you submit yourself to Jesus, he's willing to take you and he will make you because you will then start developing that relation. It, it's about the willingness of my heart to be turned into whatever his plan is for me. I have to be
0: willing. Okay, that's that's the person that is being made the disciple. Uh, I'm talking about the person... You know, the text says, go and make disciples of, of all nations. So we are... Uh,
6: my version says, go ye therefore and, and teach.
0: <clears throat> okay. I'm, I'm talking about the person who is presenting Christ... To the to the ones who are who are wanting to know him, uh, and if you're presenting if you're presenting an accurate version of God and Christ, and you're living it, and your fruits, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, are consistent with what you're telling people, mm-hmm. then then you're going to present a Christ that people are going to want to get to know, want to become friends with, um, and that's where. That's where your comment comes in. If people who are seeking the truth have a have a, a, a heart for truth, and an open heart, and a teachability, they're going to want to internalize this. Yes?
7: Proverbs 18, verse 24 starts out with, A man who has
8: friends must himself be friendly. So a person who wants to be a disciple-maker must him or herself be disciple
0: Good. Anyone else? All right, let's go back to Sabbath's lesson. Um, Someone read the memory text, please.
2: You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under under the bushel basket but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your life shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory
9: to your Father in heaven.
0: What does it mean, you're the light of the world?
5: a reflector
0: of essence or a reflector of
1: Christ through
0: light hope hope reflector of Christ why why do you think Christ used the the light metaphor i mean he just ah he had just uh, talked about salt in the previous verse you are the salt of the world and he says you are the light of the world the light dispels darkness.
5: It also illuminates things that are hidden, and in it can also be uh, the same thing of how many people don't know things that they don't know. You know, it's sort of like you know, a person might make a decision based on information that they know, but they might not know a few key facts, or they might not even see certain things that they are, they themselves are doing. Once you bring it to light, though, they have no excuse, and they have to. They are. Completely informed, so they can make the best decision or choose not
0: to make that decision altogether. Okay. How many of you have ever been in a cave? Let's do it. All right. That looks like a majority of the class. Have you ever been in a cave without light?
4: <laughs> so
10: that's
0: that's a darkness that's actually that's, that's palpable. I mean, you can feel darkness. It's it's very disconcerting to to be in. In a, in a complete absence of light, where you can hold your hand in front of your face and not and not know it's there. What happens when you just strike one match?
1: You get a little light.
0: But it dispels some of the darkness. The two, the two darkness cannot exist in, with light. The two can't exist together. Okay, uh, let's move to Sunday's lesson. We're talking about the appointing of the apostles here. Someone look up Mark three thirteen through 18.
8: Jesus decided to ask some of his disciples to go up on a mountain with him, and they went. Then he chose 12 of them to be his apostles so that they could be with him. He also wanted to send them out to preach and to force out demons.
0: I'll ask the question lesson asks, what, what, what's going on here? What is, what is Christ doing?
3: First of all, he asked those that he wanted. Christ chose his 12 disciples.
0: Okay. Why do you think he chose Judas?
4: I have read where that he chose the 11, and the 11 chose Judas, that he agreed with here.
5: I've also heard that Judas actually begged Jesus for a job, basically, came up, search try.
4: Weaseling his way in. <laughs> it Sounds like it, but I don't
0: know. Is this in Scripture or is this in uh, commentary on Scripture?
3: Yeah, in that same text. You, you know, if you read on down through 18, it, it says, in Judas Iscariot,
2: he betrayed him." Right. He, he chose these twelve.
0: I mean, the pointing of the twelve. Yeah.
2: No matter how Judas came, he ultimately. Agreed.
0: Hang on, hang on. What? What, Ron? What did you just read? Thirteen through fifteen. Oh, yeah, I wanted thirteen through eighteen, and yeah, and that's that's okay, no problem. No problem. Yeah, and yeah, in verse sixteen through eighteen, it it, um, these are the twelve he appointed: Simon, Peter, James, John, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Simon the Zealot and Judas Judas Iscariot, who who betrayed him. This sounds like Christ chose Judas. Now, I'm not familiar with with uh, the other references that are that are being uh, stated here, and I'm I'm not in disagreement with them. And I think in Luke 12 through 16, Luke six, twelve through sixteen, it says virtually the same thing. Let's uh, let's see. The morning came. He called his disciples and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Two Judases, uh, one Iscariot, who became a traitor. For the sake of the class, let's assume that Christ did choose Judas. Why do you think he chose him? I mean, if, if we believe that Christ was God on this earth and had some foreknowledge about what was going to happen,
8: mm-hmm.
0: why would he choose someone with a, with a character that was like that? I'll get to you in just a second. Yes. We have lots
8: of
6: examples in Scripture and in life of choosing people and it going wrong. Where God does know the future, He chose King Saul. Um, recently, I was in Ireland and um, I noticed in one of the museums that there was no translation of the Bible into Gaelic until 1660, which is long after the Reformation. And there's been this big conflict, you know, over the Irish Catholics. So I thought, you know, probably God asked 16 or 20 people to translate the Bible and they didn't do it. Hmm. You know, God calls people to things because God does know the future. And sometimes people refuse to do it, and sometimes they accept and they fail as Saul But we can't blame
10: God for that.
0: Okay. Uh, there was a hand in the back. Yes.
10: I just wanted to ask a question, so why wouldn't he choose I mean, why wouldn't he chose Peter? I mean, look at Peter. He wasn't any better. He just gave submission and loyalty and didn't try to control Jesus, he didn't try to manipulate the situation, but he too is a sinner, I mean, for all sinners.
0: Thank you. I, I couldn't agree more. Do you think that God wanted to heal Judas? <laughs> of course he did. It's like he wants to heal every one of us. Yes?
7: It could be that, as Jesus often said, my time has not yet come. If he had told the Messiah in advance these things that were going to Judas would he not be somewhat exposing himself and his
5: mission? Okay. Yes, sir. The other thing is, it could, um, besides the obvious fact that uh, there had to be a betrayer in order for the plan to come to fruition and everything like that, and besides all that, if you think about it, if there wasn't the Judas in the group and the Peter, the two most are opposite examples of what you do after you have sinned so bad against God and everything like that, um, you know, well, that I, it could be that there was also, you know, there are many many reasons probably why Jesus chose to do this. But I think one of which is to teach us, you know, you know many many generations later, that you know, what happens, you know, it's not that there is no <clears> turning <throat> back after you committed like the ultimate sin. You know the said of is so great in everything that. I mean, Peter betrayed Jesus in his own way, and Judas betrayed Jesus. You know, one verbally, the other physically, everything that. But I mean, they were both so. You know, thought was the end of the world and everything afterwards. But one didn't repent. One just sat there and figured. You know, figured there was no turning back. And the other one did the exact opposite. You know, he wept over it. He would, felt. Such remorse, and he actually begged forgiveness and everything like that. Um, forgive me if I look well, uh not explain it well, but uh,
0: okay. Just so I'm clear on something: uh, Are you suggesting that that Christ chose Judas because he because he knew he'd betray him? Um, because I
5: not quite. No. It
0: seems to me that uh, you yeah, know there were there were numerous times when the crowd. <clears throat> Yeah. Or the 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 Pharisees made an attempt to uh, to take Christ, and he, you know, his time had not yet come, and he disappeared. Um, uh, well, and
5: okay, yeah, I mean, uh, okay. Me, like I said, I'm really horrible at explaining things. That, I mean,
0: no, you're you're doing fine. I just want to uh, I just want to make sure.
5: One particular reason, of, you know, I think there is probably a whole slew of reasons and everything like that. Uh, why I mean I don't think we will ever be able to know fully till you know we get out there and ask him uh, well
0: but. I appreciate your insight about um, the difference between difference between the two men, Peter and Judas, mm-hmm. where one yeah they both betrayed they both betrayed Christ, you know Peter denied him and and Judas sold him for uh for money. What was the difference? What was the difference between the two? What, what was it that made Peter accept the forgiveness?
3: Well, Peter was truly repentant in his heart for what he had done, whereas Judas wasn't repentant in his heart. He just was sorry of the consequences. Ah. He had never truly repented in his heart for what he had done.
0: So there was a character defect. He didn't really know the man that he was fault.
3: But I think also in the, in the... Christ choosing the twelve, including Judas, it shows us today that there's nobody that that God doesn't love. There's nothing that we can do that that destroys God's love for us. And even though Christ knew that Judas was going to betray him, he still loved him. He treated him as he did the other disciples, with love and understanding.
0: This is a um, comment from the study Bible here that I was just given, uh, referencing Mark 3.19, Jesus dealt wisely with Judas. Christ knew when he permitted Jesus to connect with him as one of the twelve, that Judas was possessed of a demon of selfishness. He knew that this professed disciple would betray him, and yet he did not separate him from the other disciples and send him away. He was preparing the minds of these men for his death and ascension, and he foresaw that should he dismiss Judas, Satan would use him to spread reports that would be difficult to meet and explain. The leaders of the Jewish nation were watching and searching for something that they could use to make of no effect the words of Christ. The Savior knew that Judas, if dismissed, would so misconstrue and mystify his statements that the Jews would accept a false version of his words, using this version to bring terrible harm to the disciples and to leave on the minds of Christ's enemies the impression that the Jews were justified in taking the attitude that they did before Jesus and his disciples. Christ did not, therefore, send Judas from his presence, but kept him by his side where he could counteract the influence that he might exert against his work. That makes sense, but I've just never heard that sort of an explanation. Thank you. Yes, in the back.
8: I just want to go back to the calling of the disciples. The Bible said when Jesus appointed the throne, Jesus' discurse was included in the throne. The Bible does not say that he called him to be a disciple. He appointed him But in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 8 and 19, the circumscribed came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Some uh, commentators think that this is uh, uh, is about talking to Jews. He came to him and he discouraged him, but then uh, he was sticking around and the disciples really liked him, so he appointed him as a disciple, but he was not called as a disciple.
0: Hmm. Let's move to uh, Monday's lesson. This is the... um Yes, Dennis?
1: Well, I just wanted to say, I think he said something about he needed to choose Judas so the plan would work out he needed a betrayer. I don't think God planned when when they knew that this would happen. You know, the foreknowledge of God and the forewilling of God is two different things. Just because he knows man's going to be wicked and do the wicked thing doesn't mean that he wants it to be that way. Sure. Okay, so I, I don't think there was a plan I don't think they planned for Jesus to come and and so die on a cross. I don't think that was planned way back before this happened. The cross was a a cruel thing put out there by man, and and the Romans developed that. It, it, God didn't it didn't develop it, you know. So I think there's just I don't think it was a plan. I think it worked out that way, and they knew it would, but that's not the way they wanted it to happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's like my opinion, and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> it's nice to have you back, Dennis. By the way, welcome. welcome no, serious. I mean, welcome back, uh, Dennis. Dennis had, had some health issues uh, a couple of weeks ago that were could have been quite serious. and It's good to have you back.
1: Really, thank you for all the prayers. Yes, sir. Everyone. Remember
7: in the Psalms it says, "My own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me." I bet Jesus was familiar with that. And Perhaps whenever Judas came along, he just said, you know, if this is the person, then I accept that. I'll try to be my best influence for him, but if this is the way things work out, then I accept things the way they work out.
0: Yes, well said. I mean, the, the mere fact that Christ allowed Judas into his inner circle should speak volumes to us about how we can approach the same Christ with, uh, with all our faults and with all our shortcomings and with all our character defects. And the difference is we can allow him to heal them. We can, all, we can allow ourselves to be transformed like Peter was. And if we choose to reject the healing and the transformation, Christ won't treat us any differently. The damage will be done in our characters, and it will be done by our own choices. It will not be an inflicted punishment Christ didn't go out and hang Judas from a tree and have the rope break so his intestines spilled out and the dogs came and ate it. it that's not what happened. This was, a, this was a character defect. And he has so scarred his conscience and seared his conscience that this, this was the natural result of the sin that, uh, that Judas embraced. The sin pays its own wage. Uh, I see another hand yes,
7: yes sir. one of the things that I remember your last question was what was the difference between Peter and Judas and if we remember one of the big problems with the Jewish nation at that time was legalism
0: I'm glad we don't have that here <laughs> in this, this day and age but yes
7: we have our share of it yes. but the thing the difference
0: was at the end
7: of all of this scenario Peter repented and said Jesus forgive me The Pharisee, which was in Judas, says, legalistically, I can do it myself. And whenever he found out that he had betrayed his blood, he remembered that part in the Levitical law that says an eye for an eye. So he went out and hanged himself, an eye for an eye, because in his mind that justified what he had done. He took a life, he gave a life.
0: So you think he was trying to make a self-atonement? by hanging himself.
7: Because in the Pharisee's mind, if you had more hmm. good works than you had bad works, just you were accepted of God. So he had, by hanging himself,
0: balanced the world. That's an interesting insight. Let's move on to Monday's lesson. Someone read Matthew 5, 1.
1: And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven.
0: Okay. Who who was Christ giving the Sermon on the Mount to? Who, who was his target audience?
1: The
3: disciples.
0: His disciples? Well. So, he, not necessarily the multitude, but he was speaking to his disciples?
3: Well, he was. I read this last night, of the, day, the Five Ages on the Sermon on the Mount. mm mm-hmm. He had crowds following him wherever he went simply because they knew of his works. Right. So he could never go anyplace in the open without preaching to people. But his purpose was to preach to the disciples. But because of the following that he had, he chose the mountainside wherever there was a place for everybody to rest.
0: Okay. Good. Uh, The way I read this, it, it does sound an awful lot like he is teaching his disciples. I mean, he's laying out the foundation of the kingdom of heaven um, right here yes
4: a study of Christ's wonderful sermon on the mount will teach the believer what must be the characteristics of those whom the lord calls blessed and blessed means to make happy
0: okay why do you think that christ started the quote sermon on the mount with uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for those of the king theirs is the kingdom of heaven
4: well they were under
10: oppression
0: Roman oppression, I assume you're...
10: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And they also had other oppression. I mean, there was a real pain. You have to carry only a little bit on the Sabbath, bring your lunch, sit down, and keep walking. I mean, all of that was just a difficult experience. Very oppressive.
0: So they were being oppressed by the Jewish Church. Re- religious leaders as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
6: In, in German, it says spiritually poor.
0: You mean poor in spirit? Yeah,
6: Poor in spirit, and, you know, it's the, it's it's that they have a spiritual need, lack.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah, I was I was kind of wondering what spirit. It, it certainly couldn't mean blessed are the poor and the Holy Spirit.
2: If he was speaking mainly to the disciples, he probably had a purpose to, of course. Incorporate into their lives what the true gospel was because it was getting ready to send them out to share it with the world. Absolutely. And,
0: well, I'm curious what poor in spirit. Is that poor in... Stubbornness. Self-spirit? Uh,
2: the Jewish nation thought that being rich was the approval of God. Correct. And so somehow to me, I think he's trying to focus on Let's get our minds off of who we think God has approved. And let's look at the person who is humble, who is going through stuff. And let's see what God has to say about them, because this is how I want you to go out and then feed the poor and the needy and deal with people who are not standing on their own pedestal.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Any other thoughts?
7: It's sort of like this. Whenever I was first married, I was poor in money. And I began working as such, sometimes as much as three or four jobs at a time. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I think that if I were poor in spirit, I would feel that need of spirituality. And I'd always be seeking spirituality. So, these people are blessed when they are poor in spiritual
3: things because they're always seeking for the Spirit. Right. And that's the ones that God can deal with those that have, right, that, that feel their need. And theirs is the kingdom of heaven.
0: dovetails nicely with those who hunger, after, hunger and thirst after righteousness.
5: Uh, um, I've got, uh, having been in a uh, class here at the school, um, I've got like a study Bible that has the origins and the actual. Words in there, and the one for poor can also mean strange circumstances. So, like going through hard times, and spirit can also mean um, the uh, the rational soul, a vital disposition, mental disposition, etc. Yes. So, it could basically mean you know keeping your head even when you know keeping your head, keeping your eyes on Christ or on the, you know where it should be, even when you're going through the hard times and everything. Which would fit in the culture because Christ, in that culture that Jesus came into, it was if you were going through hard times, that means that you sinned and God was punishing you. If you were poor, that means that you sinned and God was punishing you. All that sort of stuff. And Jesus was saying, uh uh, you got backwards. You know, blessed are those that are going through these hard times because, you know, and enduring and making it through because God is working in them, God is sustaining them through this. Okay.
0: Thank you. Let's compare what was read earlier, Matthew five fourteen through 16, that's, the, you are the light of the world, the city on a hill cannot be hidden, no one puts a lamp under a, a basket, etc., etc. Contrast that with Revelation 14, 6 through 12. While you guys are looking that up, let me have someone else look up Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Whoever's got Revelation, yell it out.
7: Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. (coughs) To every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she was made, all nations drink the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead, or on his hand, he himself shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus.
0: How uh, how does this passage relate to the... uh statement that christ made about you the light of the world let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father who is in heaven
7: in the midst
0: of the wrath that is being poured out with indignation what, what is the wrath of god the wrath of god is
7: indignation let's say uh, for an example we're all talking about the time of trouble whenever we're going to be killed and, and uh, pursued and discriminated against, and we may not bind ourselves without that mark, in spite of all of those things, we're going to be like that wife on the hill whenever we remain faithful to Jesus by keeping his commandments. Just like Jesus kept his father's commandments, if we keep his father's commandments, we have the
5: faith of Jesus.
0: And we are an example of him. Again, what is what is the wrath of God?
7: We get taken, and they get left, and they get in the place, and we don't.
10: Yeah in the back I think it's just being separated because if I am separated love my family it is really um, it's okay for a day but it's not okay for more than that you know you feel that you really miss them they're not with you and and if you don't communicate it's really uncomfortable and that uncomfortableness is multiplied when you're thinking about your best friend, Jesus, who's died for you, who's coming back. It's very intense then. And you don't want to be separated from him. Okay. And the more you're separated, the less light you have, the less you can see.
0: Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. In verse 18, we have a statement, the wrath of God is being revealed against mankind. And it tells about why it's being revealed, because they suppress the knowledge of the truth about God's invisible qualities, his divine nature, his eternal power. And in the following six or eight verses, it explains exactly what the wrath of God is. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up, gave them over in their sinful desires, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another, Verse 26, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the wrath of God. God's wrath is, he loves us so much that when we choose to separate ourselves from him, His only recourse left is to let us go. That is all that he can do. That's as angry as he gets. Yes?
2: Uh, The wrath of God spoken of here, that we just read, may be different from the wrath of God in Revelation, which is poured out without mixture, which will uh, be
10: the utter annihilation of sin. sin sin.
9: (laughs) What
0: is it that changes God between the writing of Romans and the end of time. Does anything, does God change?
4: God, no. He, he never
0: changed. changed. He's the same today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Scripture tells us. So,
7: But see right here, it says, uh, when you're talking about the wrath of God, it says uh, He gave them over to the reprobate mind, being filled with uh, unrighteousness. They reap what they sow. And here's the list. It goes on to say sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unforgiving, unmerciful. Mm -hmm. Those are all the things that they reap because those are the things that they sow. Correct. this Revelation verse is what happens in the end
5: of time this verse is what happens all along up until the end of time and if you think about it in Revelations it says it will be like in the times you know, Sodom, Gomorrah, Noah, times, all that what happened to Sodom is dead, has gone so I mean God, saying that God doesn't uh, that uh, as you know, the full force of his wrath or as wrathful as he gets is uh, just Withdrawing is not quite uh, accurate.
0: Okay. Imagine a scenario. Those are your parents. Imagine you come home one day and there are police at your house. You ask the officer in charge what the problem is, and the officer says, "We have just found out that one of your one of your children has been sexually molested." What sorts of feelings, thoughts, feelings, uh, urges uh, are are going through your mind at this time? What do you want? To, what do you want to do? Where is he? Can I
10: get his, my hands on him, and you know, how close is
7: his throat?
0: Okay. There's an honest answer, and I agree. I would think the same thing.
10: I also feel betrayed and invaded. But
3: what if it was your own child that molested the other
0: one? And you ask, who did this? And the police officer tells you, well, it was your older son that did this. Now what do you feel? Uh,
4: Sick. Sick. Question.
0: This is the position that God is in. We are all His children. Islamic fundamentalists, Christian fundamentalists, Buddhists, Judas, everybody, Judas, the murderers, the rapists, Hitler, you name it. We're all His children. And since God knows the end from the beginning. I mean he's got the names of of everyone who's going to accept the truth about his character. He knows who's going to be in heaven. He's already he's already prepared a place for us. We're told that in in scripture. Uh he knows the number of the hairs on our head and he knows who's going to reject him as well. But he still extends his his caring, his love. He still tries to woo these people into changing changing their direction and changing their mind. And if he knows that a group from Sodom and Gomorrah or that uh, 185,000 Assyrians or that all but eight people on the face of the earth at the time of the flood uh, are going to reject that and he he has the ability to, he knows that he's not going to change them and he has the ability to put them in some sort of suspended sleep state so they will stop molesting his children who are trying to get a better view of the truth. I think that's what he did. That's what we see in the Old Testament. He intervened on behalf of the Israelites and Noah's family and at countless other examples. He intervened for their protection against people, against other children of his who were trying to molest them. And he put them in a suspended sleep state. And, and time out. Yeah. And, and there's... And when they are resurrected, they will be resurrected with the same characters they were put to sleep with, the same attitude, the same bent on destroying uh, and molesting the rest of his children that they were when they were put to sleep. There will there will be no difference. Their, their character, they will have already decided in their mind to reject <laughs> the truth about God. And since I don't have... Omniscience. I don't know how many of the Assyrians that were 185,000 Assyrians that were put to sleep that were actually wondering about whether or not the Israelite God was, was the real God. They were part of a fighting force and under command of they could have been constricted at the peril of death. We don't know. We don't know if, the, if there was a seven-year-old girl that uh, wanted to get on the ark with Noah, but her dad wouldn't let her. We have no idea. And that's not, that's not for us to decide.
3: But what's important that we need to remember is this is being played out for the universe. Correct. It's not just something that's going on on this earth for us here on this earth to see through. That's but correct. The important thing, the most important thing is to vindicate God's character, and it's being played out for the universe. And I think sometimes we tend to forget and we think of ourselves in a selfish mode that, you know, was God being fair to this earth? Yeah, He's,
6: but it's not just about those people, because I hate to think I'm here just so somebody in the universe can understand what's going on but see I don't don't those people in Sodom when the Lord came down he said to Abraham I've come down because the cry of Sodom has reached me Mm -hmm. so you know the wicked that the Lord put to sleep or killed or whatever you want to say there they were miserable they were already miserable you can't be you can't be happy and be torturing people well half the earth is miserable today well sure So so death is a blessing for them.
0: Sure it
6: is. But still, we're
3: here to vindicate God's character. That's our purpose.
0: Correct. And early in the passage, that was read in Revelation. It said, now, the first angel, now is the time of God's judgment.
3: Wrath
4: Mm -hmm. in Revelation,
8: isn't that the same wrath, though? It's just what happens when God
1: withdraws fully in Revelation, and we let those depraved minds take over this earth.
0: Okay, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it's when, when the same.
8: God's not doing it. We're doing
0: correct. it. Correct. God, God has been restraining the four winds of strife. Right. Uh, that's also revealed in Revelation. Hold, hold. And when hearts and minds are finally settled, there's only, going to be two, there's only going to be two choices. You're either going to accept the truth about God, and you're going to be so settled into the truth that you cannot be moved, or you're going to reject the truth. And the only, the only choice God has is to let you go. And there will be two groups. And once once that's happened, well, then that's when probation closes. It's not some arbitrary date that he's got picked out uh, ahead of time. What happens is that when hearts and minds are made up one way or the other, then it's over. And you're, you're correct. When when God's grace has, and the Holy Spirit has been completely rejected by those who are going to reject it, it will be withdrawn. And, and we will see what happens when... Satan is allowed to govern this planet unrestrained.
1: Uh, I was just going to say that I've been an Adventist my entire life, and I never have been able to understand the third angel's message. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm in the same boat until two things in the not too distant past, and one is understanding that God's wrath is His withdrawing, and you plug that in, plus the fact that the fire is living in the presence of God. It's not the fire of hell, the counterfeit. Correct. And you Mm -hmm. plug those two concepts in there, and suddenly, through an angel message, starts making sense to
9: me. And it never has. Well, it's just like when Jesus was on the cross, God withdrew his presence from Jesus. And what happened then, darkness, an earthquake. And so... I don't think he withdrew his presence. He was there. He was hidden in the darkness. But Jesus couldn't feel it. Right. Right. So the presence. same thing in Revelation, you know semantics. It that's God's wrath coming out is just complete not separation, but that that's how it is, you know, like you said, the wind of will just unleash itself. And it's the result of our choices. And I think that's how um, of okay, Satan, we'll just have control of of the sin that, that we committed this whole universe, you know? And that's God's wrath is a separation and allowing that to happen. It's not an anger like we
0: feel. And we see, yeah, we see this when Christ's words on the cross, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me?
9: I think that will be the same thing we'll be saying in our way, you know, at the end of time, because we can't feel that presence, but we still, like Jesus, we
0: still knew God was there. Anymore. Well, uh, Tim made some interesting contrasts between the death of Christ and the death of the wicked in the very end. Um, and the differences are... are i can't remember all of them but i mean you christ died longing to see his father's face the wicked will die praying for the rocks and and the trees to fall on them to be shielded from his glory um god you know christ died knowing that his father knowing his father and knowing that his father loved him Uh, the wicked will die despising the father uh, that's just a couple of the differences. Uh, he has seven or eight uh, key differences between the death of Christ and, and the death of, of the wicked in the end. That that don't—they're I mean, the complete opposites.
8: At the final destruction of the wicked, uh, God is going to withdraw His presence from from the wicked. And the question is: Is death... Is but going to kill them because sin will take its course and they're going to die the second death or God going to fry them in <coughs> hell for a certain amount of time I think that the fire is going to burn up the dead bodies who are already died the second death
10: because of the lack of life in them because Jesus removes himself as you keep saying, I don't need you, I don't want you, I've got my own thing, and I'm going to do my own thing. So as he's, as we talk, he removes himself, that's a, like I said earlier, you, you begin to, whether you realize it or not, you're losing light. You're, using, you're losing light, and you're gone.
0: I don't know how the wicked are going to die in the end. I don't know. I have some theories, but I don't know for certain. And I'm not sure that any, any of us know. Whatever theories are out there have to be reconciled with a concept of a loving God. Okay? And if any of the theories are not consistent with a loving God, then they must be rejected. The theory that God will, will burn the wicked in, in hell forever it has to be rejected. A loving God could not, could not do that. The the idea that God will burn them for just as long as they need.
4: Right. The word forever means however long it lasts, like a piece of wood this long compared to this long to to burn forever until it's extinguished.
0: Correct. And uh, here again, it seems reasonable to me that to burn your children alive is inconsistent with a loving God. I don't know. Um,
4: I read somewhere where, where Satan will burn within fire will start within Satan. I read that
0: somewhere. I I don't know how he'll be destroyed either. And, you know, thankfully, it's
1: not my decision. It is the burning in their heart that they, you know, missed the boat here. You know, you have to go back to the great controversy where it started. And it, you know, in the opening of the great, this is from uh, Desire of Ages. In the opening of the great controversy, Satan had declared that the law of God could not be obeyed that justice was inconsistent with mercy and that should the law be broken it would be impossible for the sinner to be pardoned every sin must meet its punishment said satan, Urged satan. you know god didn't say that satan is the one who said that
0: correct that's what the that's what the the term satan means the accuser right. the accuser of brethren <clears throat> Bear
1: in mind
4: that death can be merciful. My daughter died nine months ago with cancer, and I was glad because the suffering was ended.
0: Amen. I think we've about run out of time.
7: We always worry about the wrath, God, and the end of time and so forth. But I think that it one of the things that the wrath has in common for the righteous as well as for the wicked is that each of those incidences cause both the righteous and the wicked to make their decision or against. So actually, those kinds of things that happen are necessary for us to influence us to make our decisions. Just like every time God sent the plagues on Pharaoh, he had to either soften up or harden his heart. It's always our choice the same sun that melts the wax targets the clay
0: will I be wax
7: to will
0: I be clay eternal heavenly father we want to thank you for further revelations about your character and we ask your guidance uh, in the coming days and weeks ahead to, uh, to thirst for after knowledge thirst for more be with this group corporately and individually uh, and bring us safely back in the coming weeks ahead in Jesus name Amen Thank you all for participation.